0: Dear fellow explorers, welcome to this new episode of the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi and together with Alien, I host this podcast. For those of you who are new to this, uh, this podcast is a series of explorations where me or me and Alien, have conversations with teachers and sometimes students of the Diamond Approach. And what we're basically doing is exploring the nature of reality. <laughs> we're exploring the human potential. And many of these teachers have been on the path of self-discovery and of discovery in general, development, evolution, for 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30 years, 40 years even. And in this space they share their experience and we have dialogues about life and today our guest is mr john harper from the united states he's been in the school for 35 years and in this particular episode we dive into different topics we do speak about money (laughs) and we also speak about uh, Essence, being, what the potential is for us in our everyday life. Another rich episode. As always I invite you to sense your arms and legs and to be in the here and now while listening. On one level things we're talking about are conceptual and so forth but one of the primary reasons this Podcast came about is so that one can experience the transmission that comes through the field, the space, the people as one listens. So there are deeper dimensions of listening that are made available through this podcast. For those of you who have never heard about the diamond approach, whenever we use diamond approach terminology, you have a glossary that you can check out. It will be in the show notes. Um, So let's say we use the term living daylight or superego. You can write that word in the glossary and you will get descriptions, a library of descriptions of that particular term we do our best to cater to as many people as possible. That said, uh, we are limited in that possibility since there is a variety of people listening to this podcast, old students of the Diamond Approach, new students of the Diamond Approach, people who are completely unfamiliar to this school, this teaching. And John actually also shares a bit about what this school actually is. What is the Diamond Approach? (laughs) So yeah, that's all I had to say. So much love. And I want to just extend another heartful uh, salute to you, the listener. I am tuning into you while speaking now. And I'm just putting my hands in a namaste, mudra and, and vowing. Thank you.
1: Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Pearl Dialogues and in this episode we have teacher john harper with us from america or the united states of america and uh, just firstly introduce ourselves my name is Eileen, and i i live in sweden and how about you wazi
0: yes everybody my name is wazi i live in norway and actually, I got an email way, way back, someone saying that um, sometimes they feel that they don't really get an understanding of who the hosts are, because we haven't talked that much about our life story, unless you've listened to all the episodes. So yeah, my name is Wazi, I'm a Diamond Approach student, and yeah, I've been on this path, I think, for about five years. Uh, yeah, and I feel very blessed to be here and to be in this space.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: beautiful. Then I, I can also add on that I'm a Diamond Approach student. I have been on this path a bit shorter than the city. I think I'm on my second year. I did other spiritual work with Almaz before Diamond Approach. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to be here today. And what about you, John, where, where in the world are you? (laughs) And welcome.
3: Thanks. Wonderful to be here with you. So I'll begin first by saying, uh, how much I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I know I've said it before, but, uh, every episode I watch, uh, I'm so moved, uh, I, I just can't express how wonderful it is to get to know my colleagues, even though we're miles and miles away and have been kind of shut off from each other for a few years. Uh, It's just marvelous what you're uh, doing and, and bringing forward for us. Much appreciation.
2: Thank you, yeah, that means a lot. Hmm. Yeah, definitely.
3: I am in Folsom, California, which is near the state capital of Sacramento. I've been in the uh, school for almost 35 years. Uh, Started out in Seattle group in Seattle, the original group up there.
0: Hmm. And I have a question on that. In your words, how would you describe this school? What is this school?
3: That's an interesting question. The school is fundamentally a teaching. Which is, again, uh, fundamentally a uh, an orientation and a way of an orientation too and a way of leading one's life, which is uh, founded or centered, rooted in curiosity curiosity about what is life? Who am I? What, what's the nature of what's really going on? So, the school is not only a... School's a uh, venue for the teaching, a format for the teaching, a structure for the teaching to manifest in this world. In the teaching, there's a huge body of knowledge and wisdom in the school. Hamid's been teaching the Diamond Approach for 50 years or more and exploring the nature of the human being and true nature or reality. So there's a lot of content to study, but it's not so much about the content or getting somewhere
2: it's really about
3: living one's life and engaging one's life and and the circumstances and events of one's life from a place of uh, openness and curiosity really being impacted by life i remember after being in the work for about I don't know, maybe 10 years, I realized, well, I'm no longer trying to get a life. I'm actually living a life. It was a, uh,
2: a real moment. How does that land with you, Elin? I'm not
0: trying to get a life, I'm living a life.
1: Mm. I realized actually I'm very content with my life uh, right now, so i'm I'm resonating more with yeah i I've been trying to get a life for three years, maybe, and then the last two, three months, things have settled. I'm not trying anymore and I enjoy that I don't know if it will last for very long but it's something that I noticed in the shift of my reality like I'm I'm calmer I'm not struggling to create things are going in flow creativity is going in flow connections are going in flow it's just uh, enjoyment and yeah that's how I resonate with that right now how about you Vasi
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the principle of what is it that lasts and what is it that changes. So, like you said, um, I don't know if this is going to last. And I know that I've actually been intimate with this question myself today, because I've been feeling in a place of luminosity or a lot of light, a lot of energy, a lot of movement, a lot of flow. Uh, but I also have memories of times where I've been feeling deficient, where even things I, I, I in the past have been proud of is experienced to be uh, deficient, inadequate. So I'm very intimate with my own personal thread in this moment, but also have knowledge of times where I haven't been in flow. So I'm, I'm curious to hear... John, what have you discovered after having been on the path 35 years, plus uh, several decades on another path uh, that I read about in your ebook? So where do you Before
1: go forward, what's the name of this ebook?
3: John (laughs) (laughs) I have to think I rarely look at it, you know, it's called uh, more than meets the eye. Yeah, with I being a capital I, so it's like reality confronting the ego more than meets the eye.
2: So
1: more than meets the eye by John Harper. So you can, everyone can write that down now.
3: (laughs) It actually, it actually says uh, more than meets the eye, as told to me by John Harper, or as related to me by John Harper
0: mm Yeah, yeah, that was a profound read for me. I really appreciated that. Um, now that said, I am really curious about you, John, in terms of where you find yourself in your everyday life and and what you, yeah, how you view reality after your prolonged journey of being curious about the nature of it all.
3: Right now, I'm falling down the uh, AI rabbit hole. So excited. I feel like technology finally caught up to me and can set me free. So, I'm having a wonderful time exploring all this uh, AI that's hitting, you know, coming into the uh, foreground of our experience. But I, I'm fortunate that I spend my days, I work for, you know, the Red One School, uh, providing uh, and creating content and liais- being the liaison between Hamid and and people that want to uh, interview him or do public events with him. So I'm immersed in the teaching all day long. Uh, I sit here at this desk and uh, it's not uncommon just to feel boundless waves of love or appreciation or joy rolling ashore here. I, I look out and I see the sky and it's just like you're perceiving an ocean of dynamism that just just doesn't end. And there's all kinds of strange stuff that comes up that needs to be addressed and dealt with.
2: You know, it's like life. Life. Yeah, I hear
3: you. Well, I mean, you know, look at, I I get to meet fine people like you. Mm -hmm. You know, I chat with uh, many people during the day. And uh, I've reached the point in my life, you know, I'm 72. Yeah, almost 73. Uh, I'll be minding my own business working and the image of someone will arise in my mind i'll just pick up the phone and call them you know so i'm just sitting here minding my own business and all of a sudden your face was in my internal space so you know how you doing because you know, life's too
4: short
2: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I have a burning question on that when you say life is too short what is it that, what are the experiences that led you to that heartful insight what what is it that led you to to that realization that life's too short to to not move through or follow through you could say
3: preciousness mm. Preciousness is very challenging to experience because it lays bare all the uh, suffering and torture we've been putting ourselves through, all the beliefs we have about who we are or what we are. To experience one's own preciousness. it's like having you know you read about that and uh, or see it in movies you know somebody has to have this this uh, catastrophic event to focus them about what's important in life well preciousness will do that in a much more piercing way i mean it it uh, just strips you naked I have a saying: If you go further than the tip of your nose to find what's truly precious, you've gone too far.
1: Hmm. What happens in you now, John, as you talk about this? What's I that? am.
3: I am beyond this room. Hmm. I'm. Uh, I'm a type of uh, radiant light that uh, is very clear. And it's, you know, it's one of those phenomena that is... uh, everywhere and nowhere, because there's no extension. It's like the essence of preciousness, pure naked radiance.
1: How do you notice that in your body?
3: I'm aware of my body, but I'm neither in my body nor out of my body. I, I more, you might say, like a body of light, but it doesn't have the density of the physical body. The sun is out here, and the trees that are pretty much bare of leaves are lit up with kind of a uh, yellow golden light. And uh, in comparison to the experience that I'm having, that seems like a watercolor. You know how watercolor is well, like the painting behind you. You know it, it's kind of kind of a flat, uh, matte type of uh, finish, and it's beautiful. But this is like uh, so much more luminous and transparent and. No gloss.
2: Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. Mm.
1: I'll take the opportunity from this space to actually ask you a bit about the past and not only the present, because I got very curious when you said the original group, the original Seattle group, I think you said, and as well, how how did you stumble upon this path? Did you do something before the Diamond Approach? And how come you joined those like 35 years ago?
2: I had a, uh,
3: you know, kind of like a primary awakening experience when I was 19. Uh, I grew up in the military. My dad was in the Air Force. And so I was just a kid of this world. I knew nothing about anything. You know, life was
2: go to school, get a job, you know,
3: da-da-da-da-da. So, minding my own business one day, talking to a group of friends, and they were talking about something that I found very interesting. I said, what is that? And they said, uh, Car, which is a spiritual path I was on for about thirteen years. When they said that word, it was like this dense warm substance started descending. And when it got to my shoulders, it just felt so comforting and and it startled me because I thought I heard welcome home. You know, there was just that intense embracing feeling and it descended and when it when it got to my heart it was like somebody took a stiff piece of piano wire and stuck it right into my heart it just was agony and ecstasy at the same time and something woke up and it was immediately grabbed by uh the external consciousness that reacted to it. Like I need to go find myself. And I say in in the book, like, Oh, to have had a diamond approach teacher there, you know, to really inquire into that in that moment would have changed my life in a, in a totally different way, you know, but that was, 15 or 20 years out in the future I don't know anyway that path was very interesting I you know it's kind of based on a type of uh, of out-of-the-body experience that they try to teach and I was having all kinds of wild experiences and different dimensions and what have you and I came to the point of realizing that uh I was my biggest problem as having all these phenomenal experiences, but I was remaining a jerk. So uh I left that path
2: and uh just
3: started reading a lot of Sufi poetry and what have you, and uh, Is living in Seattle at that time. I flew to Denver to visit a friend of mine, and we were walking through a a well-known bookstore in that area that had changed locations into an old house. There were just books. Different rooms had different subject matter. I was walking from one room into the other, and I looked up, and on a shelf was uh, this book. Can you see that? Yeah, diamond heart one elements of the real in man and uh, i just thought i gotta have that book i mean that image from the alhambra uh was just something that uh, was deep in my soul and uh and i knew nothing about the alhambra you know when i when i reacted to that photo an image. So I picked this book up and started reading it. And uh, here was this guy articulating in, in the most phenomenal way, the struggle that I was having with certain things in my life. So I read the books for a couple of years and then uh, uh, had this particular experience that I you know, woke up from, and uh, I wrote to the address in the book and says, how's the one getting involved in this? And Hamid had about five letters come across his desk that week from Seattle. So there was a small group of people meeting in Vancouver, uh, B.C., and he had that teacher swing by Seattle, and we had a meeting and combined both groups, and away we went.
2: And more of this journey is actually described in your book.
0: Um, so I'm actually familiar with this, with this story of yours. And like I said, the book was, uh, had, had a very profound impact on me because in essence, you share so much uh, of the wisdom and the learnings on your journey from then to now. So I highly recommend anyone who wants to dive deeper into your journey, the story behind it, and also a lot of the nuggets of learning to check out the ebook. We will link to it in the description, the show notes.
3: Hmm. And so I came to this path more from a mystical perspective, right? And uh, where I was in my life at that point, Having grown up with my father, you know, I really thought psychology and all of that stuff was a bunch of crap. Uh, so when I went to my first dialogue approach meeting, you know, I am sitting with a group of people and the teacher is uh, talking about compassion and, you know, they're working on it. And then he says, well, does anybody want to? do any work and this fella named michael said yeah i'd like to and uh so okay and michael lets out this blood-curdling scream and grabs his chest you know and i thought what the hell have i gotten myself into (laughs) you know this isn't kansas anymore dorothy you know and uh that was my first introduction to the psychodynamic work that we do in the diamond approach, it was uh really took me by surprise. I had no idea what was going on.
2: Hmm.
0: You're smiling, Alien. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: enjoy listening. And I'm also. It's like I'm sensing you have a question, but I don't know. I'm like checking, like uh, is was he having a
2: question?
0: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> at at the moment, I don't have a burning question, now.
2: No. no. Mm. Yeah.
1: What um. What came to me. Listening to you, John was. like you know it's an interesting fact that you've been in the work longer than i have lived like mm. you have been doing in work longer than i have lived and that is i'm gonna sound a bit like i'm born in the 90s which i am i mean that's pretty cool it's pretty cool for me that someone can do work for that long when i i had a teacher or another fellow student who's also a teacher commented like yeah alien, you're a baby in the diamond approach you're really a baby and I was like yeah yeah I realize I am and and I enjoy that like I enjoy being a baby and also enjoy immensely sitting here talking to you and hearing you how you are perceiving the present moment and really relating and watching your eyes like shine as you talk about it and yeah it's really there's like an
3: expansion in my chest of like, wow. Well, I love to see all the babies in the diamond approach. I wonder, you know, I came into the work, I don't know, mid thirties, late thirties. And, uh, I just like, wow. Be interesting to, which is my perspective on life. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out or turns out. But you know, for someone to have 50, 60 years to delve into themselves in reality in an open and open ended way, uh, pretty amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: this is an out of a blue question that comes pops to my mind as we speak about this and it comes I, I you know we have a bunch of listeners and and some of us some of them have been filling out a feedback form and and some of them have been mentioning that one topic that is very relevant particularly for people who are spiritually inclined is money the journey of of, of really the journey (laughs) of uh, the monetary journey that goes with being invested in this path and the seeming mm, difficulty it is for a lot of people to to, mm, both invest time, energy uh, into the path and also living a decent life. Do you have any reflections on that from your own journey and maybe perspectives that you could share on that to people who are struggling or just, yeah, generally?
2: No.
3: (laughs) When I got involved in this work, I mean, this work is expensive. You know, mainly, I think, because it, Kind of started in the United States and the United States economy was good then and continued to be strong. And, you know, but you have large group and small group and private sessions. And I think back then, you know, we were meeting every month. And so, you know, it was probably four or $500 a month back then to really be totally. Invested in this, and I never thought about it, never thought about the money. I just came up with the money, you know, whatever it took. As a teacher these days, working with people, I mean, I work with some people for almost next to nothing because I think that people that are drawn to this work and want to do the work, uh should have access to the work and I'm happy to work with them. So we have discussions and uh, quite often it comes down to, are you willing to give up your daily latte to do the work? Okay. What will that work out to? You know? So I think the, I think paying for the work, requires a certain stretch, a certain type of uncomfortableness in many areas, finances being one, you know. It comes down to what is more important to your soul. But I don't think people should give everything they have Financially, I think should feed their children and have a house, you know, and and all that type of stuff to get by. But our level of comfort and uh, wealth that we live with in this day and age is such that uh, many people don't want to give up their daily comforts. And that needs to be challenged. You know, like I said, are you willing to give up your daily latte and just go back to drinking instant coffee well Does that answer that i don't I don't know
0: I know it is my kind of inner Bell go bing bing bing. In when you shared about, like how this work will stretch you in so many different areas of life, not only financially, and it is a part of the journey, you could say. Yeah, I think that's a useful, useful reflection um, in terms of having sober expectations about. <laughs> the journey of transformation and and also
3: yeah thinking about you know another another thing wazi is uh i've had rough times of financial rough financial times in my life and my teachers worked with me for free during those times and and that was difficult for me given the way given the way i was raised you know it was it was difficult because of the way I was raised and in the sense of you need to be independent and take care of yourself and all that. And also the most challenging part was that somebody would actually care enough about me to do something like that. You know I mean, we face in this path we confront a lot of very challenging some might say negative aspects of ourselves, a lot of pain and suffering, what have you. And it's difficult, but believe me, it's more difficult to come up against the real and the beautiful and the preciousness because that just lays it bare that we are fundamentally torturing ourselves. It's not the externals that are torturing us. We are hanging on to our beliefs that are continually turning the screws in our heart. And when you see that, it just, uh, you know, that that's what uh, I think they refer to as the ruin of the heart. It just devastates you when you see what you've been doing to yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: what's alive in me when I'm talking about this or what comes to mind rather is that I find working with essence and getting wake-ups or insights or like this yeah I will say like being being in essence or cultivating an essence is something which is fresh and after a little while I experience like my ego pulling me back so i know it's important for me to keep on doing inquiries and keep on doing the inner work even when my ego thinks like nah don't do it like you you could rather go and do this instead like it's like no like there needs to be a maintenance a maintenance of getting in contact with essence um because if i don't do it it, it's not like some people might have the idea general about spirituality. Like, oh, you have an awakening. And then you're awakened. <laughs> like, what I found was like, oh, I'm having profound, tiny awakenings. But that's the beginning. It's not like the end. That's what I need to maintain. And... So where does money come in here for me? It's more... I need, I need the money to maintain it. Like, it becomes... Um, It becomes important for me to put my money with what is important for me in life. But sure, it's it's stretching it sometimes as well. But I guess it's also worth it for me not to fall back on that path of my ego, so to say. Yeah, I think that's what I want to share.
3: You stick with it long enough and, in essence, can become like a pain in the ass, like a fly buzzing around your nose, you know. I mean, what I mean by that is we start out and we do need to practice. We do need to remember, you know, and there has to be enough uh, uh, love and affection for the path and the teaching to keep bringing us to that, bringing us to that, and then things will shift where you're walking along minding your own business, and it's like essence fills you up, and you're walking through the living room and you just sit in a chair. And it's like, like you're aware that, oh, yeah, I like this. I like being more like this, having being here like this. So there's a a welcoming to it and a recognition of it, and you're more in the role of going along with it. Mm -hmm. And then that type of thing starts happening more and more instead of me having to physically remember and work at it, you know, Essence comes in and the recognition is there and you allow yourself to go along uh, with what it wants. Sit in a chair, look out the window. You know, go to the grocery store and get something. Yeah. But there's a... There's a noticeable difference in the experience in that you you feel more substantial or plumped up inside with with a sense of, of what you really are you know? and and for me i don't know how it is for other people but for me it it calms quiets the mind down quite a bit you know you know the sufis say the step is uh, say the path is one step you step out it steps in right so it's kind of like that that shows up quiets down uh, the mind the mental activity and there's more of a sense of you as an extension into this dimension we're functioning in
0: It makes me very curious about this very moment. <laughs> like, what is moving the moment? And what is moving John? What is moving Wazi? What is moving Ellen? What is generating this whole totality of experience and interaction and exchanging that is happening? I notice myself li- listening very deeply. Like very sincerely, attentively listening. And also see my mind at times reflecting upon, hmm, you know, potential questions or avenues of exploration. And then <laughs> speaking now, I again attuned to what you shared, John, just now, which is a very beautiful perspective in terms of just going along with the flow or going along with with true nature or going along with essence and allowing, in some sense, surrendering to to the unfolding, which again brings in this Sufi poetry, or not even, I don't know if you can call it poetry of, there's only one step to make, that you step out, and it steps in. And in saying that, I noticed that in in the atmosphere right now, there is a kind of mystery. There is a kind of mystery in the atmosphere in this moment. And it's beyond doing an episode. It's beyond the context of this being a podcast. It's beyond the narrative or the idea of being a human. It's beyond definition
3: it's all encompassing like everything you look at is mysterious (laughs) you know the the doorknob is mysterious you know the cell phone is mysterious the post-it notes are mysterious and when you're when you're in touch with the real like the real will disappear you doesn't matter what aspect or quality of the real mystery beauty compassion as as the real precipitates in in uh, from our inner beingness into this world through the body and the individual consciousness okay it's just that there isn't wazi or Alan or john there's just the mystery looking around going wow it's all mysterious but it isn't it's, you know the most surface part of of the mystery is well what we read in books mystery books you know that's such a no the mystery is like this kind of uh, palpable uh, depth The potential and possibilities, but uh, it's like some co-emergence of knowing and not knowing. You know, then you can taste the dynamism, the arc of tension between the two of those, that that life is a dance between that knowing and not knowing emptiness and
2: essence.
1: (laughs) I'm happy you both talk about it because like a moment ago, I was actually realizing, oh, I have no idea what to talk about because it feels like I'm here but not here. Like it's this void of not knowing. And, uh, and there is this very still in my body. I'm also very grounded, very connected to my chair and to the floor. And And then there's this big nothingness as well as I'm very present with seeing. And listening to you in the face, in the listening and seeing your faces on the screen. Mm.
0: Mm. Yes, I see a lot of beauty coming through you as you speak that. Ellen, I see a lot of beauty.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank uh, you for sharing, <laughs>
2: it's the truth. <laughs>
0: It really connects me with that sense of, um, like John was speaking about the depth, the mysterious depth, which is the same depth for everybody, in essence. So it's that kind of unity experience that is simultaneous with this. Just like, hmm, beyond alien, beyond John, beyond was he who is peering through these eyes? Is there only one or is there many? Is there both or is there none? <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and I just need to share
0: on this laughter because there's just... I just find this... The rea- I just find... I'm, I'm in touch with the sense of lightheartedness about it all, you know? Like this, this playful, lighthearted, un- unpretentious, just natural laughter um, and a natural smile, a natural radiant smile about the journey, about life, about the situation, about the struggle. Uh, you know, in, in some sense, this, this struggle doesn't really. Um, I cannot really relate to that in this moment because everything is just a continuous flow. But there is something that really awakens in me or mm, lights up in this moment, reflecting upon that sense of lightheartedness that is possible as human beings. And... I feel it really circles back to the preciousness that John spoke about earlier in this, in this episode. Um, simultaneous with the kind of emptiness.
3: Yeah. yeah, we live in a world with a lot of problems, as you know. Most people are involved in a daily effort to get by or to even survive some pretty traumatic stuff that's going on. So it's challenging to square the joy and the happiness with all of that. But what I found is uh, I'm happy to move into that struggle and chaos with the joy, with the happiness. And I don't have to uh, make it obvious or display it. You know, you meet people where they are. But there is a joy in being with someone wherever they are.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's so many things that we can, we could explore. And, and, you know, with life, there is both this very elemental or elementary simplicity and simultaneous, the complexity. So I just want to honor all perspectives, all views that any of the listeners may have in this very moment, <laughs> because, it's, you know what I mean? What's relevant for each individual? Uh, there's so much diversity of perspective. But I feel this foundational not knowing and openness and curiosity is a universal possibility for us all. And in that, there is the possibility of, yeah, hanging out and sharing in the true way.
3: I think that's one of the main things I love about the diamond approach. There's no sacred cows or stones that can not be turned over to see what's under them. It's totally open-ended. So as a teaching and methodology, it's open to anyone regardless of belief system or education, background, or it basically is it comes down to, do I have the drive, the fire, and the courage to really find out what the hell's going on? Who am I? You know, this person that I am that, that has these patterns and uh, is constantly behaving like this and going round and round in circles, like what the hell is really up with that? Well, really get into it, not not from uh, you know a mental understanding that you know that's the least part of it, but to get into the experience of it, to allow myself to feel the impact of it and how it shapes me and how it keeps me bound in a particular historical form and and to want to know like why you know why why am i wearing this form why do i continue to hold myself like this and react like that every time this happens you know what's going on here and in order to penetrate that you know you can't be holding on to any sacred cows. You can't be having a ace up your sleeve. you, know, you got to put it all on the line.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: thank you for that share. And immediately what comes to me is one thing that I observe and I feel so crucial is how... Um, how if anything becomes too serious, I feel it's an indication that something is off. When things become way too serious, I think, I I feel that something that is always online and can always live in our heart and our being is sincerity, which I feel is that genuine desire for truth, that genuine interest in what is real. But the seriousness, I've, I I I see that a lot of places, and it's something that really blocks that sense of lightness. It blocks harmony to come through. It blocks the kind of the flow and resolution. While while if things become super serious, that is a kind of tension and a kind of contraction. And it for me, I feel that that just comes in comes into my space when when you when I hear you speak, what you speak.
3: What comes into my space when I speak what I just spoke is uh, a sense of of what I call fierce compassion. Uh, So we have these essential qualities in the diamond approach, two of which are, because we were talking about hatred, uh, which has to do with the black essence, the work on that, which is around power, the power to be. And compassion's very important was very important for me. Uh, working with that quality is what allowed me to actually finally access my own issues and start working on them. <clears throat> so we tend to think of you know compassion has to do with hurt and wanting to alleviate hurt or provide enough ground for the hurt to emerge, to be known, so that life can engage it and move it beyond uh, where it's stuck. You know, but sometimes the most compassionate thing you can do for someone is to tell them the truth, which doesn't feel good quite often. You know, so... When I experience that, when I'm talking about or expressing what I was just expressing, I feel like this black, you know, like this deep green black blade. This is how it is. You know? Mm-hmm.
0: everything has its
2: place.
1: Mm. So that reminds me of the the sword or the sand stick, which actually is more compassionate to stop them and what they are doing, than to let them continue. Like, but it's, it's also, I mean, it takes courage to say that to another person. I myself actually today had a conversation with the, um, a person I'm supporting, and I noticed something with him that I hadn't noticed before, and I and I shared it with him. Not to go into detail, but I said, "Okay, I, I hear that you say that you're manipulating people in a way which your parents did," and he was a bit like, "Oh wow, I can't believe you! You said that to me." But it actually makes so much sense that I'm doing my patterns and avoiding things. But I'm I'm actually doing the same things that my parents did, and it's, in this case he he appreciated me. He was like, "Thank you for being so so honest with me." That that is what you you heard me
2: say, and uh, I reflected that yeah i could i could share this with him what i saw
1: what what i heard him say but also because i'm in contact with with the black essence the noble shit and as well the courage
2: that okay i have the courage to tell you this and uh half a year ago i'm not sure i would have but right now like i
1: Like I shared a bit before, like uh, for me, essence is still a bit of a fresh thing and learning it. And last week I did two profound inquiries into into courage. So I can feel it. It's like operating my
2: system and and I show up with it. Also sharing it here now, like it, it takes courage. Yeah.
3: You uh, reflect something very important to the diamond approach, which is the truth. You know, it can be difficult to hear, but for students of this path, it quickly becomes something we love to hear, no matter how difficult it is. There's something uh, joyful in it, there's something our soul responds to when our heart perceives the truth in something like your friend you know even though it's difficult to hear you know there's appreciation and love about that and and you notice when uh, when you confront something like that and by that i mean just come face to face like don't avoid it anymore there's a verticalness that happens in the body with courage and with uh, uh, impeccability or, or whatever, that when we're doing those type of things, there's a natural verticality that, that comes forward. More, more capacity to be with, more, more in touchness with the ground that we're coming from.
4: Mm.
2: Child of the Wind.
4: the pounding of hooves, I love engines that roar, I love the wild music of waves on the shore, and the spiral perfection of a hawk when it soars, I love my sweet woman down to the core. There's roads, and there's roads, and they call, can't you hear it, roads of the earth, and roads of the spirit. The best roads of all are the ones that aren't certain. One of those is where you'll find me till they drop the big curtain hear the wind moan in the bright diamond sky these mountains are waiting brown green and dry i'm too old for the term but i'll use it anyway i'll be a child of the wind till the end of my day Sometimes it looks cursed Depends on what you look at, obviously But even more it depends on the way that you see Hear the wind moan in the bright diamond sky Brown, green, and dry I'm too old for the term But I'll use it anyway I'll be a child of the wind Till the end of my days Hear the wind blow In the bright diamond sky These mountains are waiting Brown, green, and dry I'm too old for the term, but I'll use it anyway. I'll be a child of the wind till the end of my day.
2: thank you john for bringing this song to us
1: and we would now very much like to invite you to do a bit of a monologue why you chose this song what happened in you as you listen to it and what is important for you in the in the
2: song you need also to be unmuted first That so,
3: Wazi guy, he's not unmuting me. You know? mm. I say that song
2: is me. Mm. Mm.
3: I like the pounding of hoofs and the roar on the shore, cars, you know, I mean, all that aliveness. Mm. And yet,
2: there's this sweet innocence at
3: the core of me. And I spend a lot of times in the bright diamond sky.
2: And uh,
3: my first teacher told me, like, you ever decide you want to teach this, you need to get comfortable with the wind between your legs. You know, which is a saying in in the West, or at least in this country, which talks about you gotta get used to precariousness and uncertainty and not knowing and in vulnerability, extreme vulnerability. And I love the point in that line where it depends on what you look at, obviously. But even more, it depends on the way that you see.
2: So I find that song,
3: you know, to be a good representation of my interior sense
2: of me. So
3: sweet. So sweet. Sometimes I'm so sweet I can't stand myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I remember walking into uh, the training room during one summer during the teacher training, and I was just so sweet. I really couldn't. And I just bent over and slapped my knee and, and just exclaimed out loud, you know, I'm so sweet. I can't. Stand myself, you know. It was just,
2: yeah. The diamond approaches the trip.
3: Wazi you're muted.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I hear you on that one, mate. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. Like right now, like what 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 are you experiencing? You know, we've had this delightful time and and that very sweet song and what what's your experience?
1: I felt like the song gave me another dimension to you. Like as I started to listen to it, it was this like recognition, and I actually saw you like in the vision of my in my, my had my eyes closed, but it was like I saw you traveling through this landscape and with a beautiful old fashioned car with like the the air blowing and this uh the hope and the freedom and it was sweet and it touched my heart and And it was like, it's like, ah, yeah, like that's Joe. Like, so I thought it was interesting that you now said that as well. Like, that this song is you, because that so much resonated with me. Like, yeah. Mm. What about you,
2: OC?
0: I'm just bearing witness to that beautiful reflection (laughs) I did. Yeah. I'm smiling a lot. (laughs) I smile a lot. (laughs) And uh, I love the song. I love the song. I feel the sweetness. It's a delicious, delicious song.
2: And yeah.
1: It really dawns on me what a journey you made, John. Like, raised in a. with a parent, a father working for the military, and that sort of relating. Like, uh, I was uh, briefly in a relationship with a guy in the military, and that was interesting. But. <laughs> but it's. And then. Yeah, and and now, like, listening to this song and also everything, it's... What comes to to my mind is, like, rich. It's very
2: long and rich and many ups and downs. And... Yeah. I'm getting this expansion in the back
1: of my head. It's like a... It's not goosebumps, but it's it's a type of expansion. Again, touching into this mystique
2: of like life and not knowing what can happen. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the ego really has difficulty with not knowing, but uh, for the soul.
2: It's just like it is like this
3: scintillating open invitation for revelation. Mm.
2: It's like this is the, uh, the place to be to discover and to uh, <laughs> have your mind blown.
3: Is just I mean, I can. Uh, I can feel that full body, beyond the body that. Uh, palpable, substantial nothingness, not knowingness. like being so open that it's not that there's nothing there it's it's like one hundred percent availability for true nature. To reveal itself. It's very exciting.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I like that word, like revealing or re- re- revelating. What did you say? <laughs>
3: I don't know. I don't. Um, revelating. It's, <laughs> it's revelating.
2: It's revelating. <laughs>
3: Maybe yeah. maybe Wazi's recording this. We we can both re- recall it later.
2: Yeah. Technology once again. And yeah. <laughs> <know> your for being.
0: <laughs> right. well, we're coming to a close here, my dear friends.
2: Hmm. Mm. yeah
0: mm. feel the sweetness
3: no, I am the sweetness
0: mm <laughs> I'm having. Um. A- I'm having a taste of John, (laughs) or is it John?
2: (laughs) And
1: I am, I'm courage.
2: Mm.
3: Very nice. You can feel that a like as a state of being. Like courage isn't something or some action or whatever. You can feel it like. No, this is beingness. You know me. showing up in a certain way being here in a certain way
2: Hmm.
3: bringing bringing me to this in a certain way Hmm. and then it gets real exciting because it's like i have no idea what's going to happen from this place you know i'm so used to living within my known loop
2: Hmm.
3: This is bringing the unknown with it. Now I get to discover something about me that maybe I haven't seen before.
0: Yeah, point of brilliance. (laughs)
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mm. Well, guys, all the listeners who listen through this, ah, so much love, so much love. Really appreciate you
2: guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's overflowing here. Thank you to John for coming on. Yeah, it's been great. Ellen, as always, beautiful. And we roll on. Any last words, guys?
3: Yeah, much appreciation. Yeah. I feel the uh like I feel the radiance. Uh I still feel like you might say my radiance, but I feel your radiance, so I feel interpenetrating radiance. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you for sharing that. Hmm.
1: I feel I'm, it's evening here now, you know, where John is. It's early morning or not early morning, but morning, but it's evening. But I feel this um, pull to go and get some things done, and maybe even join the Young in the Diamond Approach Inquiry Night, which we host every month. That's starting 20 minutes after we finish this podcast. Mm-hmm. And probably will be there when people are listening to this as well. So yeah, it's the first first day of every month at uh, 8 o'clock Central European time. But, yeah, I think I will continue there after this.
3: Yeah, we'd encourage uh, if anybody that is new that might be watching this or interested in the diamond approach to jump into one of those sessions with you. Find people and uh, see what it's like to be open and radiated. Yeah, you're very welcome.